ahead and pull out your message notes. I am really excited about this message. I feel like it's going to shift some things in our lives. The title of today's message is Driven by Eternity. And uh, here at the church, for us, we have continually focused on making a difference. And that's the heartbeat of our church, that we want to impact the world. And really, the vision of our church is very, very simple. There's four things that here at the church we focus on. First off, we want you to know God. And so our primary objective is we want as many people to know God. Now, I'm talking about intimately knowing God, not religion, but really having a heart connection, getting it from your head to your heart. Our whole goal and focus is for you to have a personal relationship with God. And, and that's really the first part of our vision here at the church. The second thing is, once you know God, you, you don't get rid of your issues. So we want to help you work through your issues. How many know we all have hurts, habits, and hangups? We all struggle with areas of our lives. So then next, we want you to find freedom. That our goal is not just to make it to heaven, that we would spend eternity with God, but really here on this earth that as we know God, God let us experience freedom in our lives. And we do that through small groups. That The Bible talks that about forgiveness comes from God. And then James 5, 6 says that healing comes when we confess our faults to one another. So really healing in our lives comes in the context of relationship. And that's why we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. We have 43 different small groups that happen all throughout the city. And over 500 of you are in a small group right now connecting relationally. Why? Because you're finding freedom in your life. You're never going to find freedom until you have people in your life that actually love you in spite of your mess. Where you can take the mask off and not try to act like you're perfect or you got it all together. But you have a place where you can say, hey, this is me. This is all of me. And people say, hey, I love you anyway. And that's the way God intended the church to be. So we want you to find freedom. But then the greatest thing I believe as a pastor that I get to see is as you're taking the step of finding freedom, it's that you begin now to discover your purpose. I mean, that's the greatest thing in life, that for you as a believer, knowing God of heaven created you, and not just knowing that he created you, but he created you on purpose and for a purpose. I believe the two great days of your life is this. The first one is the day you were born. Come on, somebody. That's good. It was a good day when you were born. That was a good day. But the second greatest day is when you discover why you were born. Why did God put you on this earth? Why, why did he fashion you and form you? Why did he give you the personality that you have? Why did he give you the spiritual giftings that you had? And when you begin to discover that, then it leads us to the last part, which is what we're all about here at the church. This is the greatest win. Not, not big Sunday attendance, not, not all the fanfare. and, and, and woo. The, the greatest thing for us is this. Are we as a church, are we as individuals fulfilling this last part, which is making a difference? That God, you, you made me, you fashioned me, you formed me. I, I have a relationship with you. I'm finding freedom in my life. I've discovered my purpose. But now together as a church, we get to actually go out into the world and we get to impact the world that is around us. And realize that this life is about more than what this life is. But it's about making an impact and a difference with our lives. And that's really the greatest things. Look at Psalms chapter 112, or Psalm 112, verse 5 and 6. To live life for what really matters. Making a difference with everything inside of us and impacting the world around us. Look at it says, good will come to him who is generous 
and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. So he's, he's intentional with the way that he lives his life, and surely he will never be shaken. Now, that's a very interesting thing. See, see he's not saying that, that there's not going to be shaking around us. There's lots of turmoil, lots of shaking around us, but he's saying this, man, when I live my life the way God has called me to live it, I'm not going to be shaken. And I would venture to propose this, that if you don't define what your life is all about, your problems will begin to define you. That us as people say, listen, I'm going to make a difference with my life. I'm going to define what I do in my life because, you know what, I'm always going to have problems and I'm not going to let the problems that I have, I'm not going to let them define who I am in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And then the writer continues. I love what the writer says. He, he goes on, and really this is a verse about legacy. Now, I, I'm 40 years old. I'll be 40 in a couple of months. I know I don't look it. <laughs> I'm aging gracefully. But, you know, I'm already starting to think about legacy, like what lives beyond me? Like how, how can we impact greater generations and how do we make a difference? And really this is that verse. He goes on, he says, a righteous man will be remembered forever. Righteousness, you're making an impact, you're living your life the way God has called you to live. You're building a legacy and let us be a church, let us be a people, let us be individuals that we build legacy with our lives. Somebody say, well, what's legacy? Legacy is where your life lives on. It's where your life continues to, to live on past when you're here on this earth, that when you breathe your last breath, your impact is still being felt by the people that are still left on this earth. And someone say, well, that's great, Pastor. How do you do it? You give to something that will outlive you. You give to something that's going to outlive you. You, you. you invest in eternity. You find a church. You find a cause. You invest your resources into something that's going to outlive you. Why? Because you're living for legacy. You're saying, listen, I'm going to invest in something that's going to have a greater impact than just this world. But let me tell you this. It's not just about investing money. It's about your time. It's about your talent. It's about your ideas. Listen, young people, we need your ideas. You have a pastor here that is hungry for your ideas so that we can reach the millennials. Why? Because you're going to leave a legacy that we're not going to leave a generation behind just because we don't understand them. It's about giving our passions and saying, listen, man, we're going to be passionate. We may mess up. We may make mistakes, but we're going to do it big. We're going to go big or we're going to go home. We're going to leave a legacy. And, and really, it's where your life lives on, that your life lives on, that, that you're living for something that outlives us. And that's the key to life. You know, if I could tell you in this place, really, the, the key to life is you're always going to have problems. You've got to find something bigger than your problems to live for. I mean, this life isn't easy. Can I get an amen? I mean, you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through struggles. Some of them you caused. Some other people did to you. But either way, you just got to know this. What am I living for that's bigger than my problems? What is it that I'm doing that's greater than the things that I'm faced with each and every day? And when you figure that out, when you have a life that lives for something greater than the problems you experience in your life, that's how you overcome your problems. We're never going to get rid of our problems. We've got to live for something that's greater than our problems. We've got to live on mission. And you know, if I could inspire our, us, it's like, would you just live 
our life on mission. We, we, we as a church, we live this church on mission. For us, it's so important that we are building a legacy that for us, it's more than just what happens inside of these four walls. This is just a part of church. Really for us, our mission is to impact this city. Our mission is to impact this nation and the world. And for I am so excited for something that's coming up. In a couple of weeks in December, December 11th, we're going to be doing our legacy offering. Why do we do that? We do that because the church is living on mission. We take one day out of the year and we just say, hey, we're going to, as a church, come together and we're going to give an above tithes giving an offering. And we're going to say, hey, whatever comes in, we're going to use this money to impact the world locally, nationally, and internationally. And I'm excited to tell you this. We've already got projects earmarked for whatever comes in on that day. Listen, we have a $2,500 project with Friends of North Rosenberg to, as a church, rebuild a house that was destroyed by the flood. I mean, how many of this, so they've got all the wood out, they've got all the sheetrock out, the family doesn't have enough money to get what it would take to rebuild their house, and so here we are as a church, we said, hey, listen, we, we earmarked this project based on whatever comes in, this is a project that we can do. We've been talking to the Parks and Recs Department here in Rosenberg, and they got a project for us for another $2,500. In fact, as a church, we've got about $50,000 in projects that if the money comes in in December, because none of it is obligated, it's all based on what comes in. Last year, we received $35,000 in one day. And so whatever comes in this year, we're just going to take it outside the church's budgets and we're going to impact the world. Why? Because as a church, we're living on mission. As a church, we're going to impact the city. As a church, we're going to focus on what really matters. And so for us, my job, even this morning, I, I was just praying. We were doing some of our run through and just really recognizing this. You know, as your pastor, really the analogy is that I'm a shepherd. And so, what my job is to do is my job is to help lead you through this life. And really, it's more than just this life. There's there's two things. I, I'm here to kind of be a tour guide and say, hey, this is how we live this life. This is how you can make it in this life. But it's greater than just this life. My job as a pastor is to help us prepare for eternity. Can I get an amen? And the thing is, I know that a lot of times we spend a lot of times on helping us in this life, and we, and we talk about how to live this life better, how to make a better impact, and, and really help walk through the struggles of this life. But did you know this life is fleeting? That it's going to be a short while. Really, the thing that's the most important for me as a pastor is to help you step into eternity, because eternity is forever. And so as your pastor to help you say, okay, how am I living my life right now with an eye on eternity, driven for eternity? Because we've got to know this, that eternity is coming, that every one of us, we're going to face death. We're going to face God Almighty, and as we stand before Him, I want you to know this, you're going to be tested. When we stand before God, look at what it says in Romans chapter 14. Pull out your Bibles, come on. Stay with, get your phones. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 through 12. You guys are quiet this morning. Can I get an amen? amen. You want me to smile? Y'all with me? So here we go. Let's go into Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Don't get quiet on me. I preach better when you respond. Come on. You then... Why do you judge your brothers or sisters? 
So here he's talking about, why are you so worried about how everybody else is living? Don't worry about them. Just worry about yourself. And he says, or why do you treat them with contempt? And then he says this, listen to this. He says, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Every one of us are going to stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge God. So it doesn't matter what religion you are. Let me tell you this. When we step into eternity, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. How many know I want to be on the right side of that? And we don't have to wait to figure out we got it wrong. And it says, as surely as I live, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So what does it look like? We're going to face this test. We're going to face judgment. I, I, you know, I call it the two-question test. Now, I didn't do very good in high school. So for me, it... I really didn't apply myself. I kind of goofed off a little bit and just kind of, you know, slacked off in, in high school. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm also not the dumbest guy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm kind of middle, kind of smart, you know, but not really too smart. And I remember in high school, I would walk into the class and, you know, th there was a test coming and I was prepared. I, I knew all this information and I'd sit down, and I'm like, man, I'm going to ace this test. I'm, I'm going to make an A on this test. I got it. I remember taking the test, boom, 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 walking out of the room thinking, I killed it. Like, man, I'm, I'm the A student. I'm great. Then I come back to the class, get the test back, D minus. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I would just get a little bit confused. I mean, anybody ever get confused on tests? I, what, I, what I realized was this. I was smart. I had the information. I just didn't test well. I mean, it's the multiple choice, right? You look at number A and, or the letter A, and you're like, oh, you look good. And then B, you're like, oh, you're fine. Like, like, and then C is, oh, it gets even better. None of the above. And, and you know, you look at it, and you, I always pick D. I just, I just get confused. I didn't test well. And what I realized was this. When I got into college, someone said, well, maybe you just don't test well. What you ought to do is you ought to go to the class you ought to figure out how the professor tests and study how he tests you so that then you can make a better grade. Because the truth is you got it on the inside, you're just not testing well. And so I did that. And let me tell you this, in college, I was on the president's list, 4.0, baby. <laughs> Boom! I mean, what changed? The thing that changed was this. I learned how to test better. Now today, as your pastor, I want to help you test well. I want to make sure that you're prepared for the test that God is going to give us. He's going to give us two questions, and it's the greatest questions that will ever be asked in our lives. And really, I want to help you pass the test. And the Bible's really clear about this. That in our lives, we're going to face two judgments. Now, most Christians don't know this, and this is why I feel like today is going to be a pivotal moment for many of you, is that as a believer, we're actually going to face two judgments with God, and I want to help you make sure that you're prepared, and I, I'm going to give you the questions, and not only give you the questions, I'm going to give you the answer. I mean, we're going to test well. That's my job as your pastor is to make sure that you're prepared. And, and so really what's the first question? Now, I, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I don't know if he's going to call us up one-on-one. -on -one, but I do know this is going to be one of the questions that God's going to ask us. It's, what did you do with my son Jesus? See, I sent him to the earth on a mission to pay for your sins. 
Now, all sins, we've got to know this, they're going to be paid for. And most people, unfortunately, they're going to have to pay for their own sins. But he says, listen, I sent my son. I sent him down to the earth, and, 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 and I had him pay for your sins. So, the, so see, I, I met someone just a couple of weeks ago, and they said, I don't know if I can believe in a God who sends people to hell. Did you know this? God's not sending anybody to hell. Hell was created for a place where people have to go to pay for their sins. But Jesus... The living God, the Son of God lived in this earth, a sinless life. He came to this earth. He gave his life willingly, died on a cross, was buried and rose again. Why? So that he could pay for your sins and he could pay for my sins. Hell's never intended for us. He's already paid the price. You can clap right there. That's a good place to clap. So the way I look at it is it's so horrible. When we see the world around us that's going to hell and their sins have already been paid for. I mean, isn't that the tragedy of life? See, all you have to do is you, you receive what Jesus did in our lives. And, and I, the, the exchange is pretty amazing. I mean, we receive what he did in our life and all he wants in return is for us to give our life to him. See, he doesn't need you to be perfect. Don't want you to be religious. He doesn't need you to act right and get right. He paid the price. The only thing is now we, we give our lives fully and completely to him. It's a pretty amazing exchange when you think about it. He paid the price. And the exchange is, God, I'm going to give you all of my life. I'm going to give you everything. Now look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. So let me show you. This is what they call the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. And this is the first judgment. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Now there's two different books here he talks about. The books were opened. This is a book that has everything that we've ever done in our lives written in it. All of our sins of our lives. Then another book was opened. Singular. This is the book of life that we've heard so much about. It says the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now that's what you do not want to happen. You don't want to stand before God and have him judge you based on the things that were written in the books. You want to stand before God and have him judge you based on the book. That your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. That he, uh, God, sent his son Jesus. And we receive that grace that Jesus gives to us. And that our name is written in that book. It's a grace judgment. It, it's this judgment of, hey, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? Did you receive him? Did you put your trust in him? Did you allow the price that he paid to cover your sins? Okay, then your name is written in the book. And someone say, well, okay, pastor, how do I get my name in the book? Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles? See, this is a challenge. People are doing a lot of religious things, doing things that look good to everybody else, but that's not really the qualifier to get you in heaven. It's not about works. And in a Catholic society, you've got to understand this. Sometimes we can get into this mentality of if 
I'm good enough, I'll make it to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. If I do all the right things and say all the right things, listen, let me tell you this. That's not going to be the qualifier to get you into heaven. And someone would say, well, what if you offend someone? I would rather offend you on earth than you spend an eternity in hell. God forbid us keep our mouth shut. I mean, someone would say, well, Christianity is intolerant because there is a right answer and there is a wrong answer. And God forbid us keep our mouths shut in a society that would cause us to be intimidated. Did you know we have the answer? We have the truth that people don't have to die and go to hell, but they can spend eternity with God if we would speak the truth in love. So the thing is, it's not you did all these things. He said, I'm going to tell you this. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So the the key is this. Did you know God? And the Greek word there is gnosko. It's not about a head knowledge. Did you know the things of God? It's did you know God? Did you have a personal relationship with God? That's why the first part of our vision is we want you to know God, not be religious. It's not about a religion. It's not about doing all the right things. It's did you gnosko him? Did you know him? You know, not singing just the songs, but worshiping the God while we sing the songs. Not just going to church, but being the church. And saying, God, I love you. God, I know. I, I may not get it all right, but God, there's one thing people will never be able to say. That I didn't love you. That we didn't have a relationship with you. That my heart was connected to your heart. Why? Because I gnosko you. I know you. See, it's a grace judgment. This judgment is whether or not you get into heaven. This judgment determines your eternal destination. You got to get that one right. The second judgment is different. So here's the second question. And again, I I don't know how it's all going to go. I don't know exactly the way, you know, is he going to file us in one by one? I don't know, but I do know the Bible's clear over and over again what it is that he's going to ask us. And it says, what did you do with what I gave you? Now, this is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is the Bema judgment. Some theologians call it that. And this is not a grace judgment. This is not about how you spend eternity. Listen to me. See, my, 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 my passion for you today as your pastor is it's not just about salvation and eternity, getting into the right place. Did I make it to heaven? Did I make it to hell? That's just part of the test. The next one is, what did we do with what it is that God gave us? So it's not a grace judgment. It really is a works judgment. Like, like it's not about where you're in heaven. You made it to heaven. Now it's like, are you going to be rewarded with the things of God while you're in heaven? How you spend eternity. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all. Now when he's saying all right here, he's talking about Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the Bema seat. That's the Bema judgment. That each of us may receive what is due him for the things that were done in the body, whether good or bad. So we're going to receive what it is that that we did, the rewards that we, the way we lived our life on this earth, we're going to receive those rewards in heaven. See, he wants to bless you. God is a generous God, but he's coming back again. And when he comes back, not only is there a judgment of whether you spend eternity in heaven or hell, but there's going to be a judgment as to how much he rewards you based on what we did here in this life. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, look at this. 
For the Son of Man's going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And, and I know it gets a little confusing. Sometimes you're like, well, what judgment? Well, this is the second judgment. Yes, there's a grace judgment. It's all grace, all Jesus. But this one is based on how we lived our life. So let me tell you, as your pastor, the way we live our life in this world matters. And in a society where I... You know, I, I love the millennials, but there's this generation that's coming up that says it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to have a point. We're just going to exist like it's better. My life's better than the next person. And the reality is this. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, the way you live your life matters. So how do you live in your life? Listen to me. Before Jesus, and if you don't get anything else, get this. Before Jesus, the only thing that matters in your life is Jesus. God, let me connect you to the heart of God. But once you find Jesus, now the thing that matters is how we live our life. How are you going to live your life? How is it that you're going to, you're going to go out tomorrow? What are you going to say? What are you going to do? How, how are you going to steward the resources that God gave to us? Inside of each and every one of us, God has placed eternity. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3.11 that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He also sets eternity into the hearts of men. That for each and every one of us, there is this hole that has eternity. And it's, it's calling us upward. And, and if you go into a society that doesn't have organized religion, you'll see this. Even then, when there's no organized religion, what they'll begin to do is worship something. Why? Because inside of them is eternity. You were made to worship. You were made to create, to, to connect to God. And so on the inside of us, eternity is always present. And it's always pulling us up. And so for each of us, if that's the case, and many of us, we feel it, we don't want to live our lives by happenstance. We don't want to just kind of stumble into good things that God would want us to do and casually live our lives. No, no, I propose this. If God has placed eternity in our hearts, that if God has a second question for us to answer, and that's, what did you do with what I gave you? Then I propose this. Let us be a church. Let us be individuals. Let us be people that live our lives intentionally for eternity. We don't have to guess and we don't have to wonder. Know that every minute, every moment, we say, I'm going to be intentional with my life. How do you do it? I shared just three things this morning. First one is this. I will give what I have. I'm going to give what I have. In light of eternity, in light of living my life intentionally. Now, I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. I'm asking you to give what God has entrusted to you. Nobody's going to be held accountable for what you don't have. And I'm not just talking about money. Some of you, your mind just went right to money. No, God gave you time. God gave you talent. Listen, you've got arms. Why don't you go give somebody a hug? Oh, it ain't no big deal. No, baby, when you hug that person that needs a hug, did you know you're living for eternity? Maybe you got, you, got, you got a cell phone, you got thumbs. Why don't you text someone and tell them how much you love them, how, how much you want to encourage them and tell them they're on the right track, they're going to make it. Make sure that everything that you have that's a part of your life, that you're living it and giving it for eternity. You got a house? Open it up for small groups. Oh, I ain't got no money, no, but you got a place to live. So open it up and let people come to your house and experience freedom. Why? Because you're living for eternity. 
Because we understand that the second question he's going to ask us is, how did you live your life on this earth? You got a car? You're like, Pastor, don't ask. Why don't you pick somebody up and bring them to church? Oh, no, no, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, I've asked them. They don't come. Well, when you show up at their house, they got a car. No, no, it, it ain't the car. That, that, that ain't the point. The point is you went over there. You knocked on their door. You said, I know you got a car. I know you get there, but you're going to get there when I'm here because I'm not leaving till you come. And you use your whatever it is, and you say, listen, I'm, you got smarts. I mean, there's so many intelligent people in this place. So what do you do? I know we've got all of our teachers, Carrie and Courtney and, 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 and all. The, so what, what do you do? If you're smart, why don't you go and mentor some students? All my teachers say, ooh. You go mentor students. Why? Because you're using what you have. You're giving it away and impacting the people in this life, and you're setting yourself up to answer the question correctly when you make it into eternity. I'm going to give what I have. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says, you'll be made rich in every way. He didn't just talk about money or finances. In every way. You're smart. Did you know that's part of being rich? You got a house. You're richer than most people in the world. You got a job. You got family. So look, he says, I'm going to make you rich in every way. Why? So that you can hoard it. So that you can spend it on yourself, so they could all, no, no, he doesn't say that. He says, so that you can be generous on every occasion. That means every opportunity. God, I'm going to be generous. God, every time I have a chance, I'm going to say a kind word. I'm going to hug someone. I'm going to give them a high five. I'm going to use my life. I'm going to leverage it for eternity. Why? Because this life is so temporary. I mean, this is one of those messages. Listen, I mean, I know we talk about things to help us in this life, but I'm trying to set you up for eternity. God forbid we make it into heaven as paupers, poor people, because we didn't understand the principle of stewardship. Look at what he says. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Why? Because you're reflecting the heart of the Father. That when you're generous, you're reflecting God's heart. The second thing is this, being intentional to serve others. We're going to serve others. That our lives would be spent serving the people around us. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in light of eternity, in light of this question, what do you do? I'm going to serve others. I'm going to invite you, even in this moment, I'm going to invite you to just serve people. Just love people. Put people first. In fact, a great place for you to start is on our dream team. You say, well, I don't know where to start. Well, come and be a part of our dream team. Come run a camera. Did you know on that camera we've got a, a dream teamer who's, who's sitting there broadcasting today's message. About 150 people are watching on live stream. We welcome you to the live stream today. Thousands of people will watch on video. And so you say, well, how do I serve others? Why don't you come run a camera? 
Serve through that skill set. Why don't you greet someone out in the foyer? Be a greeter. Give someone a hug, a, a high five, a handshake. Go out into the children's department and love our children and serve the babies there and say, listen, I'm going to give my life away through my actions and through my speech. Whatever it is, maybe you could set up here on the stage. It's a great place to start. Why? Because you're living for eternity. Someone would say, hey, I thought the important part was the pastor. Do you know this ain't the important part? This ain't it at all. The important part is every person playing their part, doing their thing, and every person that touches anything has a reward in heaven. For too long, we have elevated the platform. Can I tell you, that ain't the most important part. You're the most important part. Connecting people to the body of Christ, helping them serve and find a place where they come alive, that I've discovered my gifts, I've discovered my talents, I've discovered my purpose, and then helping you find a place to engage that. That's why we're passionate with hundreds of people that serve on the dream team. Why? Because we're living for eternity. Why? Because we've got an eye on eternity, understanding that he's going to ask us, how did we live our life here? Then the last thing is this. I will share Christ. I'll share Christ. I'm going to be intentional. That with my life, I'm going to share Christ everywhere I go. See, we've got to make a decision. How many know you've got to make a decision to share Christ? Sometimes you get into an environment and you get a little bit intimidated, you get a little bit nervous, you get a little bit scared, but I want to encourage you to live for eternity. Don't let fear stop you from stepping out and sharing the hope of your life, what God has done in your life, and really recognize that God will use you to touch and reach the people around us. Got to be intentional. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Look at this. It says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So did you know you're the hands and feet of Jesus? That we represent God in this earth. That the people around us, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you interact with people, you're either leading people closer to God or you're pulling and pushing people further away from God. And I'm believing for the day, listen, where churches are going to be filled with people. Totally packed with people that see the bride of Christ for what it is. This glorious church, this body of people that recognize that he's coming back for people, not buildings. That recognize that God gave us grace, so we're going to extend grace. That recognize this life is not what it's all about, so we spend and invest our lives in eternity. That say, listen, we're going to do everything short of a sin to reach people. I love Luke chapter 14, verse 23. It says, go into the country. You know, someone say, I, and <laughs> I have people sometimes tell me, you know, is the church supposed to be full? Like, like God's just going to bring people and, you know, it's just let him do his thing. Yes, God sovereignly brings people to church, but it's because his people are the salt and the light. It's because we reflect his glory. And someone say, well, does God want his house full? I believe God wants churches full all across America. Look, it says, go out into the country and urge everyone you find to come in so that my house may be full so that my house may be full why because it's a safe place for us to connect them to God why it's a place where they build community you're not intended to be an island on your own listen to me I understand that you can have a salvation experience you don't have to go to church but that's not the way God intended God intended for us to live in community God intended for us to rub shoulders God even intended for people to frustrate you do you know why so that he could work stuff out of you. Sometimes you think it's them, but how many know many times it's us? 
Yeah, and so you're like, well, they just bother me. Well, can I tell you, you're probably the problem. So people give up on religion. Well, they hurt me. No, people are going to hurt you. The key is this. Family doesn't quit. I mean, family doesn't quit. Like, like my brothers make me mad. My, my dad may make me mad. My mom. May, we don't quit on each other. Why? Because we're family. That's the body of Christ. We're family. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. But I choose to get involved with the house of God, with what God is doing. Why? Because that's the way God intended it. And I would tell you this. Listen to me carefully. You don't have to believe to belong. So I, I, I know some of you kind of look at, no, no, no. Sometimes I feel like there was this culture that was built like, if you don't think like us, if you don't act like us, you don't talk like us, don't come to church because you, you're not. No, no, they can come to church and be atheists. They can come to church and be agnostics. They can come to church, not even know how they believe. Why? Because it's a safe place where that if we'll get them in the house of God, God's job then is to touch their hearts. That then as they're searching for God, they've got a safe place to say, I don't believe. I don't know. I mean, I went to church and I felt something. I don't know. I don't even know if there's a God. This is what I'd say. You don't have to believe. Just come and belong. And I know this. Just as many of us have experienced, the power of God will change us. Power of God will change them. Lives forever impacted. This last weekend, after the baptisms, we had 29 baptisms last Sunday. Amazing. Phyllis and I went and ate at a restaurant. I don't know if he's here right now. And so I was ordering my food, and there was a guy that was standing there, and I recognized him. I said, hey, don't we know each other? And, I th- you know, from the past, it's four years ago. And he said, yeah. He said, you're the pastor of the church. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, I went to your church a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, awesome. Great. I'm like, how was it? He was like, it was okay. <laughs> Not really. You know, I like, it's awesome. I said, well, really? I said, well, 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 well you know, talk, tell me about it. Like if this, like, like. he said, well, I'm an atheist sitting in our, our service. That would be three weeks ago. I said, so I don't even believe in God. He said, but you know, my, my friends, they made me come to church. You hear that, Chris? They made me come to church. And I kind of said, they made you, you know. And, and he said, yeah, 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 you know, they just, they made me go to church. And I'm like, well, well, man, I'm glad you came. And we started to talk some more. And I told him about at the movies. In fact, I gave him one of those cards. And I said, well, bro, listen, just come check out some cool movies on Sunday. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. And we talked, had some more conversation. Phyllis and I went and sat down. And he walked by and he said, hey, listen, he said, I don't want to offend you. He said, you know, when I said it was just okay, I don't want you to get your feelings hurt or I don't want you to think something was wrong. And I said, no, man. I said, it's, it's, it's great. And we began to talk. He said, you know, I don't even know if I'm an atheist because atheists don't believe God exists. He said, I, I think I may be, like, I think God may exist, but he's not close. I said, you're an agnostic. Like, like there's a higher power, but you've never connected to the higher power. And, that, and then he went on to say, you know, I, I, I just can't believe in a good God who sends people to hell. And I began to just share that. It's the love of God. And then we just talked some more and I said, hey, listen, we, we don't have to have all the answers. I'm not going to try to convince. Why, why don't you do this? Will you just come back to church? And, and then that's what I learned. You don't have to believe to belong. Just come and search. Let me tell you this. You can sit in the back row. You can sit in the front row. This is a safe place for you to go on a journey to find truth and discover it for yourself.
And then, you know, I saw a story on my Facebook timeline. And it really impacted me. A little girl named Valerie. I don't know if you saw it, if you, if you follow me. or Christina Torres put it on my page. And How old is Valerie, Christina? She's four? Oh, my God. So she's four years old. She's going to a school. And Christina went to a parent-teacher night, talking to the teacher. And the teacher said, hey, listen, Valerie, she's really smart. In fact, she's already completed everything for this, this year. Like, she's super smart. She's doing really, really great. And she said, but it's more than the grades. And she began to tell Christina, she said, you know, Valerie has had an impact on my life. Christina's like, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, I, I asked Valerie, I said, hey, Valerie, why are you so smart? <laughs> She's four. She said, because Jesus made me that way. <laughs> and then the teacher said, you know, it just impressed me that this little girl would say that. And she said, you know, I've been watching her for weeks. She said, she prays for people. She has joy no matter what's going on. I've been watching her life and her life has caused me to really go back and search for God. And so she actually said this, because of Valerie, I started going back to church. Come on, stand up on your feet this morning. Give God a praise. Come on. She started going back to church. And I just thought this, for each and every one of us in our lives, for us that we would have the fire of God like little four-year-old Valerie, that we say, God, see, see, don't misunderstand. You don't have to be old to live for legacy. You just have to understand that my life matters for more than what I'm living for now. So young people, you can live for legacy. Children, you can live for legacy. Adults, we can live for a legacy saying, God, I'm going to live my life so that we impact eternity. Let me do this. I want to end with this scripture. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. I know you're standing. Says, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire that's shut up in my bones. And look at what it says. I cannot hold it in. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So this would be my prayer this morning. You say, what's the point? God would just set a fire inside of our hearts. Say that right now. Say, God, set a fire in my heart right now. <laughs> 